Hello everyone, I'm Carrie, and I'm Kristen, and we're bringing you our weekly podcast called Girlfriend's Guide to Blending Families. Kristen and I met a few years ago through a mom's club in our town, but our friendship really took off when we started sharing the heartaches and successes we both experienced in raising our children in blended families. We hope to share insights, stories, and a few laughs with you on this crazy and rewarding journey of parenting. So grab your glass of wine, and if something we share resonates with you, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Cheers. Cheers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Girlfriend's Guide to Blending Families. We are on episode 12. Good. How are you, Kristen? I'm good. How are you, Miss Carrie? Good morning. Good morning. To you. I was trying not to say good morning for some reason, but I guess it doesn't matter if we're recording in the Me morning. <laughs> morning, night, whatever, whatever time of day it is. So I had yes. some experiences recently and some interaction with the kids, and I thought a good topic for today would be to kind of look it- at it as the view from the children's eyes, both adult children mm-hmm. and younger children, and how they go through the divorce and blending. Uh, process. Yes, I think it's a good one because we talk a lot about, you know, what the experience like is like for us, but I think it's really good um, for us to share about what that might be for the kids, you know, older kids, younger kids. So um, yeah, I'm glad that this kind of happened and that we can talk Me about too. it. Me too. So one of the things I thought was a big one is how we as the adults know what what is appropriate and what's inappropriate to share with the kids about the process and do we overshare? So what do you think are some mm-hmm. things that are good to tell the kids? Um, and I guess everything we can kind of couch it with, it's obviously age appropriate, but what type of information is good for them to have? Yeah, it's funny because I just had a conversation um, with a woman that um, is in therapy with me yesterday about her explaining to her daughter um, some like issues about her father. And I think, um, you know, you just basically have to go with what is comforting to your kids. And, you know, there is some information sharing about, um, you know, maybe if the parent is not there for pickups, maybe they're missing visits, things like that. Um, you know, where you might be able to explain dad's busy or dad's working um, so that, you know, can be helpful to the kid. I think in terms of us and our relationships with um, our ex, that's where we kind of have to walk that fine line of being, you know, appropriate and not overly emotionally involved. So, um, you know, I guess like talking about your ex's character or, you know, really like insinuating things. I think that's what can be like hurtful to the kids and not helpful to them. What do you I think? I agree. And I think that's kind of the basis. Like if it's factual information versus emotional things. So, you know, dad wasn't there or mom wasn't there to pick you up from school today because they got held up at work. Like that's pertinent information that's not, you know, faulting anybody's character. It's just a fact. But when it gets mm-hmm. to, well, your dad wasn't there again today because, you know, he's such a blah, 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 like that becomes emotional and not necessary. Agreed. Agreed. And like this, um, 
this woman that I was talking to about, you know, well, your dad has a new family now and those are his priorities or something like that, where it would be hurtful to the kid to think about, well, dad maybe doesn't love me as much as my new siblings or, you know, dad's forgetting about me. Um, you know, that's just not going to be good for the kid at that moment or in the long term at all. I agree. And I think that, you know, it's there on the flip side of this idea that just came to mind is that we tend to, you know, if you're, in my opinion, if you're being a good parent and you're trying to do what's best for your kids and kind of protect them as you would in any situation, you know, you almost tend to hide things or maybe even flat out lie if the other parent is not doing what's, you know, what you think is appropriate. So what, you know, in the scenario where dad or mom is never picking up late, misses practices, misses visits, misses whatever, and you cover for them, what happens when that child's then older and realizes that you covered that whole time? Like, does that then backfire? You know, or did it, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking it out loud. Like, does that backfire because you weren't actually being honest with your child? Right. And I think that's like a conversation when your kid's a little bit older, you know, um, like 12, 13, 14, where you can have a conversation, maybe, I mean, you're, you would know better than me about like the father or, you know, the other person is just another adult, you know, where they make mistakes and maybe they don't always get things right. So, um, whereas you might've covered for them earlier because that was what was helpful in that moment. Um, I think there's just a natural progress of realizing, and I think we all do it with our parents of just understanding that they're just another human being. They're another adult. They're not perfect. Um, so you can kind of look at them a little bit more objectively and not as it relates directly to you. Like they're not trying to hurt me. They just don't always make the best decisions. And that can be, you know, there are, like our exes that might have issues with like, you know, drugs and alcohol, like just, you know, bigger things going on in their lives that in, like inhibit their ability to be a good parent. So um, I think that's kind of a conversation down the road to have. Right. I agree with you. And I think that absolutely. I, I mean, I distinctly remember how old I was when my view of my parents became, Oh, they're people like they have a, like a presence outside of me and outside of being my parent. And it was just like, just like go mm-hmm. eye opening. I remember because I think I was in like college. I think I was like so old when I realized that they're not just my mom and dad. Um, but right. I think you're right. That's a good one. And so one of the things that I just thought of while you were saying that too, is to give them the, the appropriate age appropriate information to protect the other parent if necessary, or really to protect your child from not having hurt feelings. But number one, absolutely. I think you'll agree is not to bash the other parent. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something that's hard when you're first in the beginning of like, you know, the family breaking up because you have all those emotions and whether it was, you know, your initiation or the other person, there's just, it's so messy. Then you get, you know, the divorce process started and custody and finances and all of that. I mean, it's just endless where it's hard not to have any negative emotions, you know, wrapped up in that. So it takes, it's much, much harder, I think, for the adults to have restraint and not bash and always, you know, try to frame things positively because it's really easy to dip down into those negative emotions. Absolutely. And I, Um, you know, it's hard for you and I think it's even hard for the kids. So coming from a place where, you know, I have older stepdaughters, like 
there will be times when their emotions are coming out and then you have to really restrain yourself not to like chime in and be like, yeah, you're right. Or whatever, you know, whatever the conversation was, but to just be like, you know, that's still your dad. That's still your mom. Like, let's, you know, calm it down and you can express yourself, but try to do it in how I feel rather than they're this or they're this. Let's not call names. Like all the same stuff you say to your kids in a teaching moment. I really think come out in those moments too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like the same conversation you have about with your kids about, you know, if a friend isn't being good to them or if they don't, you know, want to be friends with somebody else, it's just always trying to, you know, be the better person in that situation. And it, you know, extends to us as adults and how we model, you know, difficult relationships in our lives um, for our kids, because they are always watching. And, you know, I think it's so difficult to go through the process of the family breaking apart in general, and then to not add, you know, those other negative emotions. I mean, I hear all the time, you probably do too, where people say like, oh, you know, the mom really like poisoned the kids against me, or, you know, the dad is always, you know, making comments. And, um, you know, whether you do or not, it's, it, it definitely, sticks with the kids. So just even the smallest thing, like I, I was sharing with you when I dropped my daughter off the other day where, um, you know, like the lawn of her dad's house was like really overgrown. And part of me was like, my initial reaction was like, Oh my God, why doesn't he cut the yeah. lawn? It doesn't look good. <laughs> and I wanted to say like, um, and I started to say like, Oh wow, your dad's really, uh, letting things grow around here. But then I was like, that's, she doesn't need to hear that. She doesn't need to think like, you know, anything negative about her dad. I don't live there anyway. So what is the point? So, you know, it's just so natural, I think, to, uh, to want to say something, but you just always have to have the, to be the bigger person. I agree. And even times, like, I think that was good that you caught yourself. And I, you know, I know times for me with my son, like, I haven't caught myself and I don't even really realize that I'm saying anything negative. In my brain, I'm just saying something that's kind of like benign, but my son will be like, you think my dad's a bad dad. And I'm like, what? Like, why did he glean that from what I just said? And like backtrack a little bit. What did I say or how did I say it that made him think that that was my impression? Cause I don't think that, but what did I say that created that impression for him? So I think it's definitely like, you know, little things like that. Like you might say, Oh, the grass is really tall. Or you can say, Oh, your dad didn't cut the grass again. And it completely gives a different uh, perception for the kid. Um, so I think you're having a little bit of audio trouble. I'm going to go on to our next topic, which is that, you know, as the children get older in a divorce, whether or not they're, you know, older when the divorce happens or just as they age, you know, as time goes on, what are their needs and how does, um, the mom versus dad dynamic, if it's still not amicable, let's say, you know, like years later, it's still not really amicable and the grown children are now feeling like, um, they're in the middle of it because they're almost adults or, you know, at least like teenagers getting older and what can we do to, you know, help them through that process? Right. So, um, so what have you found like so far that is helpful? Um, cause I know you have older step kids and, um, you know, your son is older than my kids. So like, what are the emotions that you've seen come up? Um, in that process? Um, I feel like a whole variety and 
you know, not all the kids are willing to talk and share. So I don't know, you know, you can only kind of guess what everybody's going through, but you had mentioned earlier, especially with, you know, now there's a new family. So are they feeling like, you know, not replaced, but that there's a separate thing going on or they've left out maybe. I think that's definitely part in our dynamic. Um, I think that my Mm. son is now going to have like another family on his dad's side pretty soon. So I think that'll be a little bit of dynamic change for him. Um, But I think, you know, what I was more thinking about this week as we were preparing for our podcast was really like the older, older kids, like, you know, the teenagers uh, and, and adult children that, you know, you tend to talk to them differently as they get older because they're adults. They're still your kids, but, you know, you can have an adult conversation. And I think I have gotten a little bit um, maybe sharing too much because I, not that, you know, you're my girlfriend, but I'm the stepmom. So what is my role at this point in their lives? So I'll tend to like talk, like chit chat, but still, you know, maintain the idea that, you know, you need to be respectful and not overshare. But sometimes it's hard because you look at this other person, again, as a person, not necessarily just your child. Yeah. And I guess that can be difficult when there is a strained relationship, like, you know, with um, the other parent, you know, like the other bio parent where you're kind of like maybe looking for answers because the, you know, if the child's a little older, they're obviously like more perceptive of what's going on. They can read things or they might know, you know, what the situation is. So I can see that being a fine line of, um, you know, like wanting to bring the kid in for help versus, you know, bringing them in and having, I don't know what the emotion would be like guilt or, um, you know, not fear, but just anxiety about like betraying the one parent to the other. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's a a challenge because the goal is that you're trying to move everybody forward, but, um, but you are putting the kid in that spot. I agree. And I think that, you know, if every, if all parents involved are on the same page and we're all trying to do what's best for the kids and you, can try to mediate or alleviate those situations that are, you know, let's say you're all in the same room together for some type of event. Like, can the parents all just be adults, say hello, goodbye. You don't have to sit there and chit chat all night, but like be respectful of one another so that the kids say, okay, everything's fine. Like there's not going to be any fist fights. Like nobody's going to be, you know, getting angry or causing a scene so that they can relax. Because I, you know, I've had friends tell me situations yeah. where they're like, I don't want to go to this party or I don't want to go to this wedding because I know my mom and dad are going to be there and it's going to be a mess. So yeah. I think, you know, that's not fair mm. to the kids. Like we should be able to be adults. And, you know, some step parents and, you know, step moms and moms are like best friends go out for drinks. Like others don't talk at all. So th- whatever your reality is, you can make it whatever works for your family. But I think I would just really encourage people to, remember what you're teaching your kids by the way you're acting. So if you want them to be respectful to people, then you need to do it too. Yes, absolutely. Because your kids are always looking at you, you know, like I remember just even at some point, you know, watching my mom interact with somebody like in the checkout line of the food store and being like embarrassed of how she was, like saying things under her breath, like I, I wouldn't do that. And I remember being like, Oh, my God, like, this is so rude. So, you know, when you're talking about, 
little kids or teenagers, yeah, they're always looking at you. And so treating everybody with respect, especially people that are new to your family. I mean, it's difficult being a step parent. It's difficult marrying into something that already existed before you. So just trying to be kind to that person. Um, You know, we've all been in those shoes. So um, being cordial to them when you see them in public, you know, acknowledging them, acknowledging the kids, especially like if there's a kid, you know, that is outside of, of the family unit, like a step brother or sister, um, you know, just really including them. Something I thought was really nice over like the holidays was um, even when it's like step grandparents, they're not, you know, the biological parents, uh, grandparents, but, you know, making sure everybody has a Christmas present to open on Christmas Day so that nobody's left out. Um, just small things like that, I think, can go a long way. And if you do that enough over time, I think the relationship does become more friendly and the relationship does become more casual. So you can just build on that. But it, it absolutely it needs to be like forced politeness because um, that's what your kids right. are looking at. And I remember at. you and I had talked offline before and it was kind of one of the things where even if you don't you as the adult don't have those like cordial let's just be friends emotions yet because you're early on. We can just fake it until we make it right. Like you have to just kind of emulate where you want it to be. Um, And I, as you were speaking, I thought of something, you know, when we, you you and I are in all these like different mom clubs and these different dynamics where we meet a lot of other moms and other blended families. And I think that's interesting. You know, if I meet um, like some kids that are involved with my kids activity and one week, their dad drops them off. And then the next week, the mom drops them off. And then the next week, the stepmom drops them off. Like, I think it's important also Mm -hmm. as just like a little caveat here is that for, for me and my kids to treat everyone the same, because guess what? They're all the parents of those kids. So I'm not going to be like hanging out and talking with the kid and the mom, but then completely ignore the dad or the stepmom or the grandma. like, you're still, I think that helps them feel welcome. Let the kid know that, okay, I can talk to you no matter who I'm with. It doesn't matter. I like, Mm no, I can only talk to you when I'm with my mom. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I wouldn't want anybody not to talk, you know, to my daughter or her dad if I'm not there. Like, they're just as worthy of everybody's attention and, you know, they're just as important when he's at the practice as when I'm at the practice or at the game. So I do think that's kind of like, I think, just a good feeling like good vibe education for everybody is, you know, like if we treat each other that way, that, you know, if it comes down to being your turn for that, that you understand how important, right. important so, that is. And I was thinking like, how treat. would that feel as the child? So, you know, my son's seven and let's say just you, for example, would always talk to us and your kids would hang out with my kids when we, you and I are together. But what if like it was, his dad that brought him or my or Keith that brought him and then like you didn't talk to him like what message does that send to the kid you know and and how confusing yeah Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point I think that's a really good takeaway is I think just to be you know cognizant of that so that you know the kids don't necessarily notice any difference they just think okay I'm here I'm at cheerleading or I'm at basketball or I'm at karate or whatever event you're going to and I can just be me. I don't have to worry about which parents dropping me off and how that's going to affect any of the dynamics. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, probably if you have like that stepmom or dad, when the kids early on, they just learn to know that this is somebody else that loves me. And this is somebody else that's taking care of me. I guess the challenge is when it's a little bit of an older child, you know, who gets introduced to a stepmom or dad that, you know, there might be that feeling of like awkwardness or knowing that, you know, they're not my, my real mom. So, you know, like, is there any uncomfortableness on their part but I think you know like you said you fake it till you make it you you know you act comfortable you know you're happy to be there and um over time hopefully that relationship does grow I agree um another topic that came to mind with the kids is the pressure and I can actually attest to this one personally because my I grew up you know we've talked about before in a blended family and my mom and my biological father divorced when I was very young my dad's always been very involved with my life, but I distinctly remember like always feeling guilty, like always feeling like, okay, well, if I leave my mom, she's sad. If I leave my dad, he's sad. And I don't remember them like clearly saying that until I was a lot older. Um, but when I was older, I mean, my dad would tell me like he would cry all the way back home and like talk about like break your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Like you feel, you feel right. guilty because you want um, to keep everybody happy. So I was kind of like the peacekeeper, but I'm an only child. So there's definitely one kid in my family of six that is the same way. She's a, um, the peacekeeper and she feels that like weight of that responsibility to try to keep everybody happy. So I guess my question for you is what can we do or what do you think they're going through? Maybe this can be kind of like your professional experience or opinion, um, to help them like, not put all the weight on their own shoulders and how do we help them be their own person and do their own thing without, you know, taking all of our troubles onto them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have had that experience, um, like in therapy where kids, and it is a certain personality, you know, some kids kind of like, avoid and go into their own world of like video games or whatever they just kind of like try to be oblivious to all the dynamics that are going on in the house so that's one way of coping then there's you know the other like peacekeeper it's not always necessarily like the middle child it's just I think a certain personality where um, they're so aware of everybody's emotions and everybody's emotional state and they feel responsible for it So um, what I've said to kids in the past is, you know, some things are adult problems and are not your responsibility. Um, And and some families, you know, really do share about finances. They share about um, people's, you know, emotional and mental health. They, They share about jobs where, you know, sometimes the parents do treat the kids, even if they're not a blended family, they treat the kids like it's another adult and sometimes another spouse, you know, because maybe the, the actual spouse is somehow just emotionally disconnected. So, um, for the kid, I would say what is most important is just to like, get the permission to not worry and get the permission to, um, know that your ability to intervene is limited. So in the case of a kid worrying about, you know, my mom over here and my dad over here, um, and my siblings just, I think number one, probably it would be good for them to see a therapist because I've, I've had this experience just last week with a teenager who felt like, you know, she was sort of pushing her mom in one direction or another. Um, 
And she was feeling guilty about that, but she couldn't tell her mom and she couldn't tell her dad. So sometimes telling your school guidance counselor or a grandparent or um, just a therapist is a great way to go. Um, And then, like I said, just reminding them that it's great that you care, but there's really nothing you have to do. I agree. And that was kind of my, you know, interaction too. So I felt like my role as you know, not the biological parent was to just kind of listen and try to be a friend and counsel if I could. But I said, you know, someday Mm -hmm. you're going to be a good parent because this is what parents go through. Like we worry all the time about everybody and there's no break from that. But until you are actually a parent, like you don't have to like, let us, let us do that and do the worrying. Um, And I, you know, something that's funny is that when people blend their families and people are getting divorced, like we all come up with some type of parenting agreement. And so in our family, it's been interesting to see how over the years that has evolved because, you know, now they're like adult children and they still feel the need to follow the parenting agreements because that's the way it's been for the last, you know, however many years. But it's also kind of like talking to them about, okay, like you're an adult now. You don't necessarily have to stick to that every other Wednesday or whatever, you know, the agreement was. Um, and letting them feel right. like, okay, you don't have to feel guilty about not being like exactly with each parent 50, 50, like you can do what you want to do, be you do your life. And thanks for your concern and trying to be fair. Like I, I do appreciate that, um, that they want to try to spend equal time, but it's exhausting as the kid. Like I remember always feeling like, where do I live? I'm in college. I'm in moms I'm at dad's like never feeling like I could just settle and relax. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Like about just, you need to carry on with your life. So we're all fine. And that's what I also would say to kids, like, you know, your parents are adults, they have made choices and they've gotten this far in life, you know, without you like intervening or, or worrying for them or feeling responsible for them and they're going to be fine. So you need to take care of you and your parents will take care of themselves. So like you said, you know, I'm in college. Am I with mom? Am I with dad? Where's my home? Um, you just need to have your life. Cause that's really what your parents would want anyway. They wouldn't want you to, you know, be riddled with anxiety about their relationship or how they're doing. They're, they're going to yeah, be just fine. I think fine. that's a good message. Just that, like, everybody's going to be fine and, you know, not to sugarcoat it too much. Like if there's issues that the kids need to be aware of, that's different, but that just to reassure them, I think like the reassurance that we're adults, we're going to get through this, you know, we love you. We'll tell you what you need to know, but you just go to school or go to your job or wherever you are and just take care of you. Mm-hmm. So what would you say about when kids worry about their siblings? You know what? This one's a tough one because I think that it's actually like a level of maturity that they reach where they are feeling like, you know, this obviously would be an older child that has younger siblings. Um, maybe the oldest in the family, maybe somewhere in between, depending on the personality, but I think it's a really a big level of maturity that they're now concerned about their brothers and sisters where, you know, and it's, it's fun to watch as they graduate from being like annoyed with their younger siblings all the time to now like worrying about them. Um, So I think kind of same thing as we just said, like you do you and you know, it's great that you're concerned, but we'll we'll handle it. Like everybody's fine kind of thing. Um, But that also kind of feels like you're sugarcoating it if everything's not fine. 
Right. And I, yeah. And I would say, you know, if it is like an older sibling who drives or who can be, you know, somewhat responsible, like, do you guys want to go to the movies together? Like, do you guys need to have a little, you know, brother, sister, sister, sister date um, every week so that you can have that time and you can keep an eye on your sibling and make sure they're okay and talk to them without any adult around so that you can feel like you are doing a good job and you are, you know, making sure that, that your brother or sister is good. You know, like, do you want to go out to eat or go ice skating or something where they can just, you know, feel like they have that time. Cause I know, you know, because my girls aren't together all the time that when they are together, it's, it's really important and it's really, really, you know, an intense feeling. So just trying to recreate that as much as possible to, to make everybody feel good. I think, would be I a love good that idea, actually. And, you know, we always focus on making sure the parents, we set aside time for one-on-one time with the kids, but maybe that's a great idea to like encourage them or even give them a tool to spend one-on-one time with each other for the older one. So like, yeah, take your mm-hmm. sister to dinner and here's, you know, here's some money to go do it. Or here's movie tickets, go spend yeah. some time with your brother. I love that idea, actually. Because, you know, yeah. while they think about it, you know, a lot of times it's a financial issue like, oh, well, I don't have any money, you know. So if we enable that to happen or even suggest it, I think that'd be much more likely to occur, which would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that they need to know it's okay to be stressed. It's okay to, you know, you and your sister, or you and your brother know that things are kind of tense around here and you guys are kids and that we're giving you permission not to worry. We're giving you permission to go have fun and we'll take care of all the other stuff. I love that. All right. Well, I think that's all we had. I do have a couple of links that I will add at the bottom of the podcast that I have, that I found helpful when I was researching some of this um, as far as like adult children and even children of divorce as they age. Um, So I'll attach those links, but that was a fun chat. Thank you. Yes, definitely. So thank you everybody for listening. We hope we shared something helpful for everybody today. If something resonated with what you're going through, just let us know and share our podcast with your friends. Our goal is to help us all step up in our parenting skills and to blend gracefully. See you next week on the Girlfriend's Guide to Blending Families. Cheers.